a scout recommended to me uh, in the game to sign a guy. His name wasn't Adiaga, it was Ariaga, and I almost signed him sight unseen. Like, without looking at his, his <laughs> abilities or anything, I was like, Ariaga. But, uh, it, Ariaga 1 or Ariaga 2? Uh, Jorge Ariaga was the guy's actual name in the game. Um, he was playing in Mexico for Santos Laguna. Um, he had... He did not have... His face didn't match. I think if his face had matched, I just would have gone through with it regardless. Um, but no, he was like 31 and would not have started for me. It didn't make any sense. But I there hope to go. find... Making like, rational decisions. Right. I, I still hope to find, like, maybe he, there, Ariaga 2 is in there, um, or or uh, Pete Sotza. I'd like him to be there. Um, one of these days, one of these guys is going to turn out to be good enough. Um, and it's actually accurate, too, because now that I'm thinking about it, uh, in The Simpsons, it was Mexico versus Portugal, so it would make sense that uh, Ariaga is a Mexican player in Football Manager. Uh, this really isn't open wide for some soccer, despite the that <laughs> despite reference. what you've heard. Yes. Yeah, uh, at the top of the show. Uh, hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. I'm your host, Adam Taylor, joined as always by Jason. Give me Ariaga or give me Death Anderson, and Ben Fuera Bromley. Uh, we are all from blackandredunited.com. You can find us writing about DC United and many other things, including right now the United States women's national team who just pasted the Irish. Um, check that out. We've, we're going to have more coverage of them running up to the, the World Cup this summer and all through it, so so be sure to, to come to blackandredunited.com for all those needs. Tonight, though, we are talking about DC United and only DC United. Well, DC United and their opponents, various opponents, past and present. Uh, they drew Sporting Kansas City this weekend one-to-one. We're going to talk about that. We are going to talk about this Wednesday's midweek matchup against the Orlando City Purple Lions. And this weekend's uh, Sunday night, they are going to travel to Philadelphia to play the Union. Uh, both these upcoming games are on national TV, so bully for us on that front. Before we get into the details of any of those, though, Ben, what are you drinking tonight? So I recently moved out to the suburbs from the metro center of Richmond. And so when you move to the suburbs, you obviously have to lose some convenience. Uh, But luckily for me, a brand new craft beer store just opened up in my new suburb. And so I was able to get uh, Devil's Backbone Trail Trail Angel Weiss, which is a Bavarian-style Hefeweizen. Uh, It's a good summer drinking beer. It's... It's light, it's crisp, it's nothing too fancy, but it's Devil's Backbone. You know, they put out a good product. Yeah, for sure. Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, it is. It was very humid today, uh, and humidity and heat means it's time for gin. So uh, I made myself a traditional gin ricky uh, with um, uh, DC Distillers Green Hat Gin. So I made the official drink of DC with gin from DC. Uh, Strong it's, work. It's, uh, it's really good. I mean, it's a gin ricky, and I know how to make it, so I wasn't, it wasn't going to go wrong. So uh, I highly recommend it. Whenever the weather's like this, and it's going to be like this for a while because it's summer, um, or summer's about to happen. So drink gin rickies. Do it. Yeah, I... Especially you, Martin, if you're yeah, listening. Especially you, Martin. Learn to love gin. Uh, I'm actually still on whiskey, at least for tonight, um, but only because it, it's a new whiskey that I hadn't had before. Last week when I had gone to Kentucky and then continued on to Indiana for my little brother thing, which was awesome and wonderful, and he's married to a wonderful girl. I have a new sister-in-law. It's all very happy. Uh, I got some 
uh, Michter's Sour Mash while I was in Kentucky. Um, and I've had the Michter's American Whiskey, which is like bourbon but doesn't meet the official yeah. legal definition of bourbon. Sour Mash also doesn't uh, typically meet the definition of bourbon. It's Think of it like the sourdough of whiskeys. Um, you have you use the remnants of the previous mash to start the fermentation on your new batch uh, of what will become distilled spirits, uh, and it's good. It's got it's got a definite bite to it. It's got a little it's a little bit hot. It's but that's that's not unappreciated uh, when you're drinking whiskey meat. So it's it's good. It's tasty and it's got a little bit of. Uh, of a different kind of flavor, like a, I guess a sour almost note back there. So it's it's pretty good, and I, I recommend it. Michter's makes really good stuff. Yeah. Um, so so definitely check them out. Mich- Michter's rye is it. a good rye. Yeah, that that might be next on my list. Yeah. Um, if if I can find it anywhere for less than like sixty bucks, because <laughs> the rye think, runs a little pricey. Wait, no, I think about it. I, I've only bought it at there's a Annapolis liquor store that does a dollar over cost sale twice a year. And I think that's the only time I've ever bought it. So that's okay. why I was like, for a second I was like 60, that seems like too much, but when you're buying it a dollar over cost, it's no longer $60. Yeah, you're going to have to give me a heads up before the next one happens and not tell I me think, your war story afterward. I think it's September. Well, okay. That's not too far off. That's No. It's pretty far off. I mean, we'll probably have forgotten uh, between now and then. So What were we talking about? Yes. <laughs> um, on that wonderful segue, let's turn to soccer. <laughs> DC United won, Sporting Kansas City won. Uh, no goals for about 86 minutes, all except a four-minute span late in the first half when Jairo Arrieta and Dom Dwyer both found the back of the net. Uh, it, despite the score, it actually was a pretty end-to-end affair, especially in the first half. It was an up-and-down, entertaining game. Um, Maybe a little more hectic than Ben Olsen would have liked, especially in the first half when uh, the Sporks were, were getting their chances. Uh, I know Olsen said after the game he was much happier with the second half, and Peter Vermees basically said he was less happy with the second half, so I guess the consensus there is that the second half was better for DC United. That said, the result itself, uh, giving up a lead at home, um, especially that close after taking the lead, just not responding well to taking the lead at all and failing to win at home, then that is a little disappointing in itself. Yeah, definitely. You do, you always want to win your games at home, especially a game like this where United definitely had their chances to, to win that game. I mean, overall on the balance, I think a draw is probably what each team deserved. But United did have their chances. Uh, they had a couple of shots pulled just wide, a couple of saves. Uh and all that while missing Fabiana Spindola, obviously, who uh, on the double secret, no longer existent injury report was uh, <laughs> injured. And so, yeah, it's disappointing. I mean, it keeps their streak going, but of uh, unbeaten at RFK, but Sporting Kansas City was there for the taking. Yeah, what is it now? 16 games unbeaten at RFK? and I thought this was the 17. Or 17 games now, so half a season unbeaten. No. Or a full home slate, unbeaten at RFK, uh, 17 home games in a year, and then seven games unbeaten in real time in, in MLS play right now. Um, you mentioned some close, United going close a couple of times. There was one shot Michael Farfan had 
late in the second half where he just ripped the hell out of the ball. He got all of it, and there was no way uh, anybody was going to save it if it was on frame, and it, of course, went just wide of the post. Jason, I feel like Farfan's knocking on the door. He's had a couple of really close calls. He's going to score one of these days, right? He's not He's not Gyrolong Kepene. No, he's, he's going to score. Um, and the fact that... Uh, Nothing for my Kepene reference. I mean, what else am I supposed to say? The guy didn't score any goals. <laughs> he's, he's doing some <laughs> other thing that isn't soccer now. I don't know. Um, but uh, no, he's, he's going to score, and, and uh, I, I think he's also going to get more and more time in the, the coming games. Um, Nick DeLeon kind of struggled in this game a little bit uh, until actually towards the end he seemed to be one of the only players that didn't wilt in the heat. Um, but other than that, I didn't think it was his best effort, and far, Farfan, with, with everyone at full strength and assuming that Rolf or, and or Pontius um, are already duking it out for the starts at, on the left, um, Farfan might have his, his best crack to get into the team might be on the right. And the good thing for him is that he's good with both feet. The shot that he missed on was a left-footed shot, um, but I don't think he um, he would have any problems. If it had set up to his right, he would have done the exact same thing. Um so I think he's he's getting close, and and in general, I think the team, I, I think he fits the needs of the team very well. So I I think we're going to see him a lot now. There's so many games we're going to see a lot of players uh, frequently, but um, I imagine that Olsen's looking at ways to get him into games more often because every time he's playing, the the team perks up a little bit. Um, there's there's a, a little bit of a different uh, element with him. Um, Still, you know, similar to De Leon in that that it's more cleverness than athleticism. But I think Farfan's got a little bit of an extra, um, a little extra step of creativity that De Leon maybe doesn't have um, to to take on being the um, goal scorer, the scoring out of nothing kind of kind of goals, um, or Leon, creating usually, goals for others out of nothing. Right. Farfan's done a little bit of yeah. that this year too. Right, and DeLeon usually is trying to work off of somebody else, and it's sort of a um, a communal effort, um, whereas Farfan can kind of take the whole thing on himself uh, from time to time. I mean, he, had, he he only had two goals, I think, in MLS, but um, they were special goals. So it's, it, it's not like uh, we should be expecting him to hit five, six goals this year, but he is going to get one soon. Yeah, you're, you're right that NDL looked sluggish. And it was, it was interesting hearing uh, Sebastian Salazar actually call him NDL. I always write it down, his name, Nick DeLeon, as NDL, but I rarely say it out loud that way. So now I'm going to follow Sebi's lead and start actually saying NDL out loud. That said, uh, he, he had one of his worst games of the year. I, I agreed on that. But on the flip side, Chris Pontius had one of his best performances of the year. He actually looked like he was decisive and not thinking of three different ways he could screw up before picking one of them. Um, instead of passing the ball or shooting the ball, he was decisive. Even if his crosses weren't always on point, he was actually trying stuff, and his speed was back. He outran uh, a guy in... Um, Anibaba. Um, Anibaba, and he yeah. actually kept up with maybe even past uh, the, the young center back. Um, Palmer Brown? Name. Yeah, Eric Palmer Brown. He actually... Yeah competed well in a foot race with him as well, which which is all new uh, for for this year. That competition is really good. Uh, the thing that surprised me in this game, the positive that I have um, as a surprise on this, is Chris Korb has a left foot. He had two really good crosses 
with his left yeah. foot out there, which, Ben, I, is there a real competition at, at left back now, or has Chris Korb surpassed Taylor Kemp? What's, what's your read on what's going on at left back, and who would you pick if you had to start a game right now? I mean, yeah, um, it's obviously a real competition because Chris Corb has started the past couple of games, and uh, from all we can tell, Taylor Kemp has recovered from his illness, so uh, that's always good to hear. But um, we like people kept not believing us when we said this, but Chris Corb is better as a left back than he is as a right back. It's where he played when he was at Akron. It's where he played uh, down the stretch after Daniel Woolard went down in 2012. It's his best position, and so even though he's not naturally left-footed, he's always been the most effective there. So it doesn't surprise me to see him doing better on the left than he has recently on the right. Uh, All of that said, if I had to pick one of them today, I'd probably still go with Taylor Kemp. Uh, I like what he showed last year. I like what he showed at the beginning of this year. Uh, I'm still, when Chris Korb is a little far away from a, player who's about to cross, I always get a little worried, even though he's done better on those this year, but yeah, it's good to have some real competition along the fullback line, which has been, especially at left back, has been a a source of shallow depth over these past couple of years. Yeah, not just for DC United either, for most um, teams with a connection to the United States, it seems like the national team, every team in MLS depth at left back is rough, which is why I've said it, and I'll say it again. Parents, teach your kids to play left fullback. It is an important spot on the field, and there's less competition there. So do it for your kid's future. Um, Last thing I have for for this game is about Luis Silva, who once again was not in the starting 11, although according to comments by Ben Olsen after the game, was fully fit and is a candidate to start. Jason, do you think he was just holding him out so that he can start him against Orlando City midweek, or is this Arietta and Rolf out competing Silva in practice? Or Spindle obviously didn't start because he picked up a knock against the crew yeah. and his knee was uh, black and blue and he was injured. But Silva was fine, and he didn't get the start in this one. Well, I think I think the issue with Arietta is that He's an out-and-out striker. Silva isn't. Um, so with 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 a Spindola out, it becomes um, Arietta, Doyle, or Pontius um, because Olsen's always going to want one player to be an, an out-and-out striker in that pairing. Um, so Silva's not really competing with uh, Arietta necessarily. Uh, it's more is uh, is he being out-competed by Pontius and then Ra- uh, where to the point that Rolf plays up front and Pontius plays left midfield. Um, and we saw a, a pretty good version of Chris Pontius this week, so it could just be that Pontius looked like that in practice all week. Um, Rolf isn't coming out, out of the lineup uh, without yeah. there being a, a – I mean, he's going to – there are games soon that he's not going to play, and it's not going to be because he's not playing well. It's because you will eventually grind him into dust if you keep playing him. Yeah, but um, right now he's one of the first four names yes. right down probably. Um, and we – we could see um, Silva start ahead of Rolf uh, on Wednesday. Uh, we Rolf um, kind of went down awkwardly at one point in the game and was holding his ankle. He played through it, but um, it was sort of an awkward uh, tumble. Uh, he might have tweaked his ankle a little bit and been able to run through it, but then it might have swollen up afterwards. 
Obviously, with the spindle, we got surprised with injury news, so it could be a situation where on Wednesday evening we find out that Rolf is being held out for a game. Um, which, is, you know, the good news is that United can replace these players and not just fall apart. Um, but, I, but I do wonder if this was just part of a long-term, you know, the number of games coming up. We've got to cycle guys in and out, so Silva won't start this one, but he'll start the next one. Or if it really is just um, enough players are outplaying him to the point that he can't get into the team right now. Um, I don't think he played – when he came in, I don't think he played well at first – it took him a good 10 minutes, 15 minutes to get into the game. Um, at one point, he was he had dropped from the front line all the way to behind Kitchen and Arnaud to pick the ball up off the center backs, which is not what a forward should ever be doing. Um, and it wasn't like uh, the game needed demanded that sort of thing. Uh, I think he was just impatient and wanted to get himself involved in the game. He was doing the wrong thing. Yeah, but, he was trying to get uh, touches just right. to get them. And, and a few minutes later, that stopped happening, and... Um, what's been interesting in the last couple of games is watching Silva. Um, even I mean, Silva's never going to be mistaken for a fast player, but he's managing to get away from players who are faster than him and get into um, get in behind into space because he's just able to think that much further ahead of the players marking him. I mean, against the crew, he was outwitting Michael Parkhurst, um, who, if it wasn't for his soccer IQ, would probably have never played professional soccer in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a very, very smart player, and in a midweek game where both teams are going to be running with heavy legs, I assume... Especially I, I against assume, an expansion team. Right. Um, that is not going to have the depth that right. well, a and, team and, like United does. And we'll actually touch on that when we talk about Orlando. They're going to be missing some players. Um, so Silva, I, I think it, it might be... It might, the ex- expectation might be that this just sets up better for him to hit a team uh, that's been traveling... Um, or it could be, I think we'll find out um, Wednesday. If Silva doesn't start on Wednesday as well, we have to assume he's just not practicing very well um, or some, something is going on. But um, as things stand right now, I, I kind of expect him to start on Wednesday just because you have to rotate some guys. Other than Hamid and Boswell, um, people are being rotated in and out. Um, Sean Franklin could get rotated out at some point. I mean, I don't. we've only got so many fullbacks, but... Uh, at a certain point, you've got to rest guys um, when the games start coming in like this. And I would assume that United has a plan that they've consulted with the training staff. They've gotten whatever data is there about how fit everyone is as far as the computers and heart rate monitors can can tell. And you you come up with a plan. And obviously, your plans you know, plans are made to get broken. Players get hurt, what have you. Uh, suspensions happen. But you come up with an idea of who's going to start against who, so that you don't get you don't come up on game five, you know, back to back to back to back to back, and on game five you've got six players who are healthy and everyone else is dead tired. Um, so I, I'm looking for him to start on Wednesday, um, but it's hard to say without knowing more what's going on at practice uh, as to whether he's being kept out or if he's if he's being held out or if he's being kept out by other players just outplaying him. Right. I, I did like one comment that um, it was D.O.W. Brewer, a uh, commenter on the site. Uh, he he said that he likes, he actually likes that Silva's been kept out because it seems like Ben Olsen is building a squad, a full squad, not just a starting 11 and a couple of subs. He's building a team that can survive through 
the patches of schedule like we're going to have this month and next month right. and have depth when guys go down at the end of the year after a long season. Guys are going to get hurt. Going into the playoffs, it happens every year, and you need someone to be able to be the next man up at that point in the season. And so you get them the experience now, even if it means sitting a guy like Silva for the first 70 minutes of the game. And that was an interesting take. I don't know if I'm convinced, but if it's true, it, it speaks to Ben Olsen's uh, maturation as as a coach, well, I think. And that, that's something that Bruce Arena has been doing for a few years mm-hmm. now in L.A. Um, you know, the last few lineups for the Galaxy, if you look through them, there's been a rotation. There's been some formation experiments. Um Players are being tried in different roles, um, and it's 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 all Arena's long-term plan because he knows his team is good enough to stay reason within reasonable uh, grasp of the top through the summer, and then he'll have his best. He'll know who his best players are and the best fit come August September, and he'll also have established you know not just three or four players he can sub in, but he'll have a full bench of guys that he's given real game minutes to. Uh, all year long, and so his young players, guys like um, Bradford Jamieson, has been playing the last few games. Mm-hmm. Um, th- those games are going to pay off down the road, and I think um, this this uh, it might be the same thing for Olsen, where he knows um, he's got some new parts. He's got to figure out who fits together. I mean, last year we didn't really expect Espindola and Silva to be the forward pairing of note uh, in in 2014, but come to find out, you put them together on the field, and it just worked. Um, and we've seen now with Rolf is a similar situation um, pairing with a spindle. It's it's the same sort of understanding. Um, so you you build those relationships and you try them out. Um, I mean, you can only really test them in games. So mm-hmm. it could be something like that where we're look. You know, Silva's a known quantity, and it's a look at what else what else can we do in case he is unavailable. Um, I think it's probably a mix of all of this stuff. Uh, that's one of the things about soccer is that it's there's so many different things happening at once that it's usually never 100% one thing. There's always uh, a bunch of different factors all at once. But uh, that could very well be part of it, and, and it wouldn't surprise me to see Olsen taking a page from Bruce Arena's book since it's a pretty good book to take pages out of. Yeah. Jason, how the hell did you get through that entire thing without saying the word alchemy? Uh, it, it could have come up a couple times, but, uh, you know, I, I don't have an I don't have an answer. Sometimes uh, <laughs> sometimes you don't have an answer, and that's what alchemy is about. <laughs> All right, there you go. I'll take it. Uh, let's turn our attention now to Wednesday night when Orlando City Soccer Club comes to visit RFK. That'll kick off at eight o'clock. Games on ESP two, so we'll have Taylor Twelman and Adrian Healy, I guess, in the house for okay. that one. Uh, DC United won the team's first matchup this year at the Citrus Bowl, one to nothing. Stoppage time free kick from who else? Luis Silva, the guy we've been talking about, uh, gave United the win. But really, it was Bill Hamid uh, standing on his head that that kept United in that game long enough for Silva to provide the heroics. Uh, the Lions are coming off a come from behind win at home against New England. Uh, they were two Bro. down and. A oh, draw, sorry. Not, yeah. not, not a win. It, it seems like a win for them, yes. both because they have no business drawing the revolution right <laughs> now and because they scored two goals in the last 15 minutes of the game to get the draw. Um, despite that, they are still having trouble putting the ball in the back of the net. Through the month of April, they had four games, scored all of twice, both at Portland. They had three games where they got shut out and have been... Uh, 
I think they, they didn't score in their first game in May, maybe, and then finally figured it out for the last 15 minutes against the Revs. Ben, what what do you make of, of this team? First off, are you still mad at them? Always. Okay, just making not, sure. No, I'm, I'm not mad at them. I just despise everything they stand for, and that will continue in perpetuity. Okay, as long as, as, long as that hasn't changed. But no, of course not. Um, you hate lions as an animal? I mean, tigers are better. What about the color purple? I actually do like the color purple. Okay, so but you're mad at <laughs> That's them. That's a really nice it. grin you have. You like got yeah. really happy and copacetic yeah. when you were thinking about the color purple. So I've like I've like three purple dress shirts in my closet. But but you're it mad. It must at make you really sad hate. to hate something purple so yeah. passionately. Yeah, that's true. It does, and I do. I I respect them for striking out on a totally different color palette. But no, no, they're despicable. Okay, and they're not good at scoring goals. No, 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 they're not. Uh, I mean, it doesn't help the fact that they've lost two of their primary scoring threats. Uh, they lost Kevin Molino to a mm-hmm. ACL injury, I believe. Uh, yep. He was he was one of the biggest cogs in their machine in their USL days, and he was expected to be a big uh, part of the team this year. Uh, I think uh, what's his name? Uh, Pedro Ribeiro is still out, I believe, and he was uh, another... I think they say he's getting close to coming back, but but it's probably going to be not 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 applicable for our purposes anyway. Right, right. Ben. Before before you give those two too much credit, how many goals did they have combined this season before they respectively got hurt? I don't know off the top of my head, but the way you're phrasing that, I'm going to assume none. Yeah, it was pretty close to zero. All right, um, Ribeiro did force that terrible own goal by harassing a goalkeeper. Uh, yeah, Molino, though, was the guy that everyone who covers Orlando City kept saying, just wait, he's going to score. Just wait, just wait, just wait. Right, Keep but, waiting. But, but the fact is... They no, just wait. The fact is they wait. didn't have any... I'm not going to wait, I'm going to continue. <laughs> and Kevin Molino's not going to score, so you can stop waiting. And the fact is that they they decided that they were okay with those two guys, uh, fr- bring them up from their USL team, and... Put throwing them in there with Kaká, and they thought everything was going to be fine. And so they don't really well, have much. Ribeiro came over from the Philadelphia Union. Oh, that's right. I'm thinking of somebody else. But regardless, why would you ever trust someone from the Philadelphia Union? Yeah. As we'll get to in a little bit later. But, um, <laughs> Synergy. Uh, yeah. So they, they, yeah, they didn't have anybody behind those guys. They thought those guys were the guys. And Kyle Laren is highly touted, but he's a rookie, so... And Kaká hasn't been as—I mean, he's been fine, but he hasn't been a world beater. And you should really never expect that out of a foreign DP in their first couple of months in the league. It just yeah, I mean, he's really been happen. for the standards set by other big name foreign DPs in their first few months in the league. He's been—I uh, would say—pretty successful. Kaká has sure. Um, He—he's kept up with play. He's been committed. He's been a joy to watch on the field, honestly. Um, he just doesn't have anyone around him, and Kaká's the type of player that makes other players around him better, but if they're not that great to begin with, then there's only so much he can do. Uh, Jason, uh, Ben mentioned Kyle with a C, Laren. Is he, I imagine he's going to start. He got a goal on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, is he the answer for them? Is he just going to grow into that role? He's a Canadian international. Is he going to grow into the answer for them, or is he just 
kind of holding a spot for someone they're going to acquire this summer? Well, I think it's it's a fluid situation for Orlando. Um, they brought in, uh, in the offseason, they brought in a guy named Martin Patterson, um, who is a Northern Ireland international, and they expected him to um, kind of carry the weight, I guess, until the summer window. I think I think in the summer window they intend to pursue more Brazilian players because that's what they do. Um, but I think the idea was that Patterson, he, his contract only ran through the summer, um, he was on one of those weird um, half-season deals where uh, he was on loan until the end of his contract in Europe, and then he would be a free agent, and then they could just sign or not sign him as a free agent. Um, he's been injured the entire time. Uh, he missed almost the entire preseason. Uh, I think he recently – they changed his status on the injury report from out with a hamstring strain to out with a groin strain. Um, so there's new injuries. So um, – I think he was supposed to be the guy. I don't think they really had much of an idea what to do if he was unavailable. Um, Pedro Ribeiro played a few games only because he got in and happened to do okay in a couple games. Um, then he got hurt. Uh, Laren, I think they didn't want to use him as a starter at first. Uh, they were resistant to the idea, but I think he's starting to figure it out. Lately, he's looked like he's growing into it a little bit. Um, he had a Good performance with Canada in a recent friendly, uh, the same time the U.S. played its last friendly. Um, and I think maybe he's just starting to uh, find a little more confidence as a professional. Um, he's still pretty raw. He's still a young player, um, even for a rookie. I think he's um, 21, I want to say. He's not – He's not. Um, he wasn't a four-year player in college. Um, but, you know, he's still got a lot of physical tools – um, he's fast, he's good in the air, um, and, and I think Orlando, I, I think they're better off with him growing in confidence rather than still looking for somebody else to solve their problems. I mean, they could still go sign somebody, um, but for the time being, Laren's, Laren's the guy because they're, he really is the best striker on the roster right now that isn't you know, constantly injured. Um, I have no idea. I can't even tell you if Patterson is good or bad because he did not play in the preseason at all. I did not see him for a second. Um, so Laren's the guy, uh, like it or not. They tried Carlos Rivas up there, but he's more of a winger. Um, he didn't really score in their first couple games, and then he also picked up an injury. Uh, I don't know what they're doing down there. It's just a lot of injuries in Orlando. Including, um, sadly, uh, Lewis Neal, yes, who it sounds been, like will not be traveling. He's had a neck injury for weeks, and it's just been neck. There's been no detail. At first, they just kept saying he was doubtful. They said he was doubtful for like a month, and then they finally changed it to, oh, he's out. Um, yeah, I think once he recovers from the injury, you might find that he only plays night games. He doesn't play daytime games. I think he may have suffered a bite or something on his neck. Okay. It's, uh, <laughs> he may be turning into a vampire. You never know what's happening down there. It's Florida. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Florida Don't man is in fact a vampire. Um, but yeah, uh, it, you know, Neil would have been, I think, in contention to get some minutes this week because of, um, some other absences they've got, but, uh, up, up front at least, um, Laren's kind of, there's not really much there as Ben touched on. There's just not a lot of attacking depth. Um, I think that they felt like Kaká was going to be able to carry most of the goal scoring weight on his own and their strategy doesn't really allow for, uh, other players to do much because I think they crowd Kaká 
and it's very easy to defend Kaka if everyone, all of his options are right next to him. You don't need to dedicate all of your, you don't need to get a, to dedicate a ton of resources because you just don't have that much space to deal with. Um, Kaka's trying to pass his way out of a phone booth. Um, I think if they could figure out how to give themselves some real width uh, and a little more speed on the field, they might get a lot better very quickly. But I don't know that they're built to do. They don't. They can't really do that with their existing players. There's no. There's no speedster that's being kept out other than arguably Rivas, but uh, the last I checked, he's healthy enough to contribute some minutes, so he's just not in the game for whatever reason. Whatever happened to their young DP? There was a big deal this winter when they Brian signed Rochez. Brian, Brian Rochez from Honduras. He's even younger, he's even younger than Kyle Lahren. Um, he is a long-term project rather than a... Uh, a guy that's going to contribute right away. They had to make him a designated player because he required a transfer fee. Gotcha. Um, but he he could push Laren, and I wouldn't. I would be surprised if he didn't come into this game because I expect United to be in the lead. Um, so I expect Orlando to have to bring on uh, at least, if not uh, to replace Laren and just have fresh legs up front, then to bring in a second forward trying to pursue the game because. Orlando's already in a point where if they, if they have designs on chasing the top, and I think regardless of reality, I think that that is what they think of themselves as because they don't have any experience with being bad uh, as a club. They've never had a bad season. Um, they've got to look at the standings and see the point gap between the teams that are actually good and them. Uh, and at a certain point, you have to start going after wins rather than draws. Um, so I do expect to see uh, Roches, but he's like Laren, he's very raw. Um, the decision-making process is just isn't there yet. He's 19, so um, he might get there, but it's definitely a little bit like um, like when Fabian Castillo came on for F- came in for FC Dallas. Uh, he was skillful, but he had no idea what to do. This um, was and it two takes, or three years ago, right? Right, and he was a similar situation where they paid a fee, and he was a young designated player, but. I think the only difference is that Dallas was actually in a position where they could give him more time. They just kept playing him in games over and over again, um, and eventually he learned at a higher rate than anyone expected. Um, Rochez isn't getting those minutes yet, but uh, there is a lot of potential, but as far as him being a threat on Wednesday, I, I would be surprised if he was a factor. Just It would be kind of disappointing if he was a factor because DC should be smart enough to deal with him. All right, so what is Orlando City's... Uh, what, what are their tactics going to be come Wednesday? What, how are they going to try to score, and, and how will United prevent a, a recurrence of what happened last time we played where Bill Hamid had the sand on his head? Well, I think because of the short rest, because they played, uh, they've, had, they've had more rest than D.C., but they had to play um, on turf in Florida in the heat, so they might have even endured a more draining experience the Rebs play very fast soccer. Um, being on the road, I think they're going to use their... They like to play possession. They're not going to get away from that, but I think they're going to try and slow the game down. I think they're going to look at what Kansas City did by s- sitting back and, and um, looking to pick United out. And, and it, when the opportunities aren't there to, to play a long ball, because um, that's a lot of Kansas City's success came by just playing past the midfield rather than trying trying a build up. Um, I think Orlando is going to take a page from that book. They're still going to be a possession team. Um, they have, you know, they've decided that's what that's what they are. Um, but I think they're going to try and and play slowly whenever they don't have that opportunity. Um, 
as far as what United needs to do to deal with them, mainly it's just stay compact and organized, uh, especially um, with regards to Kaká, because if you give him if you give him little seams to get through, he's going to dribble. He can dribble through them. Um, everyone on their team is looking to make runs for him to play through balls. He's always looking to play someone into the box um, from just outside the box. He, he has a love for that short through ball. Um, so crowding that area, keeping it congested, um, that's going to be important. Seeing the runs before they happen. Fortunately, uh, Orlando doesn't have too many particularly great players off the ball. Um, so that's that's been part of the problem is that Kaká doesn't have anyone that can see the game on on his level, and thus they're not making the runs that he's hoping that someone will make. Um, but staying organized is going to be big. Um, not, I think against Columbus we saw a good example of United being smart enough that even without the ball they can still control what's happening, and I think that United is a smarter team than than uh, Orlando, and I think that's that needs to be repeated, especially given the short rest and the fact that it's 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 not going to be as warm. This uh, at least the last time I checked, it's supposed to be cooler on Wednesday, but still humid. Mm-hmm. Um, still the middle of a three-game week. Um, so you need to be smart and know that you do, you don't want to end up running up and down for 90 minutes or even 45, as we saw against Kansas City. Um, that's not a great idea because that leaves you susceptible down the you know as the game goes on. Um, and I think they need to start the game much better than against Kansas City because Orlando's coming off of a, a game that feels like a win for them to come back from two down against the Revs. That's huge for for them after having several bad games in a row. That's a huge result, even though it was a home draw. Um, it's still a, a reason to feel good about themselves. And so United needs to sort of remove that. That they, they shouldn't let them build on that confidence. They need to start uh, by being the aggressor and, and de- determining how the game's going to be played and making Orlando deal with it rather than letting Orlando start to say, hey, we're, we're, you know, we're in this game, we're on the road against a good team, and it's just like against the Revs where um, – it was close, and we were we're up at that level. We want to make Orlando feel like they're they are hanging on for dear life, um, and and make them not have any reason to start feeling confident in themselves because they're still they're a fragile team at this point. And I think um, if you push uh, hard enough, you can you can kind of break that down. I don't think they have the there's not the institutional um, team wide knowledge that things are going to be okay. They still tend to overreact to everything um, as a team. Um, Adrian Heath, uh, he doesn't whine like Peter Vermees. He's not dislikable in that same way, but he definitely reacts to everything. Um, he's very emotional, and they take a lot of inspiration from that. And by making him upset, making the rest of their veterans upset, you know, they, they don't have any steadying players other than Kaká. I mean, Aurelian Collins a veteran, but he's, we all know, um, <laughs> extremely emotional on the field. Um, Donovan Ricketts can tend to overreact to things. So um, it's, a, it's a team that you want to beat psychologically as well as um, dictating how they have to play. And I think that United should be able to do that. I would be disappointed if they couldn't pull those things off because those are things that the, this team is pretty good at. So the key to this game will be one of our listeners sitting on the field level that the box next to the benches and just taunting uh, Adrian Heath the whole game. Get into his head. And Aurelia that, that That's, I just distilled what Jason said into a completely inaccurate statement, but we're going <laughs> to go with it. 
Um, ben, anything to add? Any any tirades about purple lions and how despicable they may be before Not we move on to to dupe? Just remember how hateable they are. They re- they really are up there with dupe. Uh, maybe not Red Bull for mo- in most people's minds, but they're really hateable guys. Come on, <laughs> let the hate uh, consume you. The, the, the one thing I uh, I would add that um, Amobi Okugo is out. He's suspended for yellow card accumulation. Um, well, what am I going to use as a segue to get back to Philly now? I don't know. Him. <laughs> I was just going to bring up who they're going to replace him with. Okay, do that then. Um, okay. Is, so... is it a goalkeeper? <laughs> no, because we're still talking Orlando. Yes, we're not there yet. It's not. It's not Philadelphia's eighth goalkeeper. Um, no, but but Okugo's absence. They don't have anyone that can play that role. He likes to play the anchor role in midfield. They don't have. They have a bunch of guys that are more like roving defensive midfielders. They don't have the positional discipline. It'll probably be um, uh, Christian Higita, but he's probably better off uh, further up. He and Darwin Saren have been sort of battling for the same spot next to Okugo. Um, I don't think either of them is cut out to play that deeper role where they have to stay in one spot. So Orlando's defense has already been kind of vulnerable, and now they're going to lose um, someone down the middle that generally is a reliable um, source of possession and also um, winning the ball and, and making that area hard to play through. So it's a good game to attack through the middle, knowing that Colin is going to do things that Colin does. I mean, he's going to be running around all over the place. Good and good things happen for Orlando when he does that, but also bad things. Um, but they don't have – Higita is very young. I think he's 20. Um, Saren is 23 or 24. It's not an experienced uh, duo there, um, if that's the way they go. They don't really have too many other options. I would be surprised if it wasn't um, Higita stepping into that spot. But uh, it's it's another example of United should have a, a significant advantage in that area of the field, even if they rotate somebody out of the middle, if, if Davey Arnaud or Perry Kitchen is rested. um it's not like we're bringing someone that's raw. I mean, Marcus Halsey's playing the Champions League if he gets in. Michael Farfan is experienced. So um, it should be an area where mentally United is a, a, a pretty significant advantage, I would say. All right. Now we are transitioning without, with or without Amobi Okugo. <laughs> we are transitioning to the Philadelphia Union, who DC United will be visiting this Sunday night, 7 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. We get to be on both national networks. Uh, I guess no, no Unimas. We don't have to deal with uh, the SAP button at all, you know, thankfully. Uh, we don't have to cross the white line that divides the green rectangle. Yeah, and no, and no white, white bullets. Bullet. Yeah, no white bullets in this one. Uh, only one, one note you need to know going into the Philadelphia Union game. We'll talk more, but really the one thing you need to know, the Philadelphia Union are a bad soccer team. <laughs> That is the, the most important thing you can take from this. Uh, since the start of April, they have, they've scored seven goals over those six games, but they've allowed 15. <laughs> um, they haven't scored in the last couple games. So uh, rather than, than start this one talking tactics and everything, Ben, how long till Jim Curtin and Nick Sikiewicz get get canned? Or, or are they just on the world's longest leash at this point? 
Well, Jim Curtin, I think he doesn't survive this season. I think he gets canned uh, in the middle of the season. They go well, my, to with regards to Jim Curtin. It's always fun to be responsible for a rival's firing, it a is. rival team firing their coach. Is. is there a chance DC United could go up to Philly on national TV this weekend and be the proximate cause for Jim Curtin's sacking? I mean, sacking. I like what you did there. Um, I just needed a, a a synonym. I didn't want to say firing again. But um, I don't think so. There hasn't been like the requisite rumblings and the statement of support of the coach and all the things <laughs> you usually see before somebody gets fired for losing 3-0 to zero to a rival on national TV. Um, it wouldn't shock me totally, but it still is a little early. But that said, the union are bad. Um, <laughs> they don't know what they're doing on the field or in the front office. Uh, Nick Sakevich is not going to be fired. I, I, I don't think that's happening at all. Um, so I think he'll continue his reign of goalkeepers and probably saw... I think they, they've had, what, five this season already? Yes. Is that saw, counting saw, Raisin Bully twice or just once? Just once, but counting, just once. Tra- but counting Trey Mitchell, who may or may not have been loaned from the Galaxy. He's technically maybe still with the Galaxy. Nobody knows about that. There's also a chance they get Sean Johnson on loan. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm actually shocked they haven't signed Christian Nick yet. <laughs> he's, he's free now after, he's after available. being cut by the Montreal Impact. The thing is, you could not pull, at all shocking development. You could pull the collective resources uh, front to back of Montreal and Philadelphia, and and you would still have a terribly ineffective MLS team because <laughs> you would have two bad front offices smashing into each other and probably just screaming at each other and not getting along. Yeah, and no goalkeepers. Somehow. Would you want to sign more people from who had played in a little tournament that you might have heard of down in Brazil, or more aging Italians? Why not both? <laughs> Brazilian juniors and Italian pensioners. I like it. I think we have we have the basis for a if not a soccer team, a terrible show on Comedy Central. Or a performance art piece, perhaps. I do not want to see the performance art piece. <laughs> it would be them playing soccer badly. As I, a com- as a meta commentary on MLS single entity? Yeah, still don't want to see it, no. Not not that interested in watching even the impact in the union play. I'll watch almost any MLS game. That one I'd have to actually really consider if I had chores to get done or something around the house instead. Uh, Jason, do you agree with Ben that Nicky Sack is untouchable despite his um, I mean, anything but successful tenure? And the thing is, it's, it's not just his tenure in Philadelphia. He was previously with the Metro Stars, and it was the same problems. It was still a horribly run organization where everyone made fun of them for being bad. Um, I have no idea how he got in with Philadelphia in the first place. I don't know what he's doing there now. I don't know why you wouldn't get rid of him as soon as you realize any of this. Uh, I assume their ownership just is not doing research or learning or paying attention at all. They're just like, is the t- is the stadium, did it burn down? No? All right, good. Okay, good doing work, whatever Nick. you're doing. Um, <laughs> I haven't heard a single thing about them considering getting rid of him, so I guess he's still okay. Um, but it just seems like no one's in charge uh, at the union. 
um, and decisions just sort of happen rather than someone saying, like, we need to have a plan. It's just sort of like, oh, today's the day. we got to do something. i got to put this guy in goal. I don't know. Um, let's, raises let's raises out of the up. country, but idea. I just got to... I just got a call from Mboli's agent. You know, he's kind of sad having to sit on a beach. Let's, let's, you know, who cares if the coach wants him back? Let's, let's bring him back to the country and right. put him back in camp. But make sure we send the coach out to the media to answer the questions as to what's even going on. <laughs> um, so, no, I, I don't. I, 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 I hate to say I feel for our rivals fans, but I, the Union fans really are um, kind of likable um, and. They haven't really done anything to earn this, uh, other than being Philadelphia sports fans, I guess. Exactly. Um, but uh, I, yeah, it's just it. Every day, every time I read something new about the union, it's always a new level of surprise and bad. Um, I don't understand how they haven't burned the stadium down uh, on accident, and you know it would be one of the goalkeepers. For purpose. It would be or- you know. You would find out that John McCarthy has just opted to burn the stadium down for no apparent reason, and, well, and no one stopped him. He went to visit his he went to visit his dad in prison, and his dad said, "There's always money behind <laughs> the river end. There's always money in the river end." Brian Silvestri wanted to make sure people actually remembered that he once started an MLS game, so he burned yeah. the stadium down afterwards. Now they'll never forget. <laughs> All right, so uh, talking actual soccer, we know the Union are bad. What did D.C. United have to do to secure all three points beyond not be as bad as the Union? How, how can United punish the Union for being bad at soccer? Um, I would go down the left. Um, their left-back situation is also, like most of their situations, is a, a huge mess. Um, they recently, Even more so than the usual mess yes. at left-back. Um, they recently, after years, or after saying this year that Ray Gaddis was the left back and that Fabinho was just going to be the backup, uh, Jim Curtin arbitrarily decided that he, he didn't just say that he was going to move Gaddis to the right. He said, Ray Gaddis is our right back for the foreseeable future, <laughs> which is a terrible policy on a team that doesn't have very many good fullbacks. It's not like Gaddis is playing so well that you, you would say, oh, he's great. We're never going to bench Ray Gaddis. Um, Ray Gaddis is like Chris Korb. Um in terms of uh, MLS-level talent, I mean, he's a guy you would have on your team, but he's not a guy you're like, this is this guy's name is in ink on the uh, starting lineup sheet for the rest of the year. Mark Birch, uh, on, Mark Birch is our left back of the future, and we're never benching Mark Birch. Right. Even the see, Rapids know to bench Mark Birch. See, Even I understand where you're coming from, Jason. Yeah. I, I absolutely see where you're coming from. But we're not talking about an MLS roster. We're talking about yes, the Philadelphia Union. And on their roster, <laughs> Ray Gaddis really is an in ink, not in Sharpie, but in ink right. starter on that team. And, and the, you know, the issue is that he had been playing left back, and so they moved him to the right, which is probably a better fit for him, but it means that they have to choose between Shannon Williams, who is not a left back, or Fabinho, who is uh, only very generally a soccer player. Um, the two of those guys are now competing for left back, and neither of them fits in at all. Um so they've created a new and arguably worse problem on the other side um, by doing that. So I would attack them. United picked on Jaleel Anibaba a lot uh, on Saturday, and I think you have to see a similar idea just down the other side against Philadelphia. Um, they've been they've been a mess all over the place. I mean, they're they're 
um, central midfield. Vincent Noguera has been in and out of the lineup due to a, like a lingering uh, ankle problem. Um, Maurice Adu has been moved to center back, uh, then moved back to the midfield. They don't know what they're doing with him. Um, Brian Carroll keeps getting starts, uh, despite the fact I, I saw a stat recently because Union fans have, have they know that uh, the game has passed Carroll by at this point, and Carroll and Lahoud were Jim Curtin's like we need to be defensive and conservative this game. That's who he would send out. He would send out Brian Carroll and Michael Lahoud as a dual defensive midfielder uh, set up in a four-two-three-one. And their results in those games were like two goals scored and like 13 goals against in like four matches or something. It was a, I, I don't remember the exact stat. It was a tweet that I saw, but it was a horrific stat. It was an indicator that the strategy is never going to work. Um, the only reason LaHood hasn't been playing lately is I think he picked up a, a little injury. Um, so they're a mess in central midfield. Maybe um, Jim Curtin thought that th- since the experiment of moving uh, na- national team defensive midfielders to fullbacks worked well for Jurgen, that it might work for him. I, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing other than wearing pastel uh, shirts uh, a lot and and questionable. He's he looks like he's dressed for the yacht club rather than for um, a soccer match. Um, it, he's auditioning a, for an assistant coach role or an academy job with the uh, the Seattle Sounders. Yeah, maybe. Um, or maybe. More, or maybe he's going to start a PDL team in Connecticut. Yacht jokes are fun, you guys. Right. <laughs> Greenwich Football Club. Um, that'll be Jim Curtin's well, new, new gig. It would actually be called Greenwich Yacht Club Juniors or something yes. like that. Yeah. Because uh, there's so probably already a Greenwich fashion. Yacht Club. Yeah. Um, yachting, yachting Club to Greenwich. <laughs> no, no, it would definitely be um, uh, English and Anglo. Um, if we're, we're talking about um, the wealthiest of the wealthy in the eastern United States, it's got to be a, a super Anglo name like Greenwich Albion. <laughs> Which is ac- – Albion is the British version of Columbia. For yes. those of you who who are not familiar with euphemistic – or not euphemistic, but personifications of countries, <laughs> Columbia is, is a personification of – of North America and the United States, and Albion is is similar for for England. Uh, so you just got some West Brom history there. Congratulations, us for giving that to you. Um, all of which is to explain Jason's joke further yeah. than it ever needed to be. <laughs> I, I'd also, I, I guess, the one thing I would say is don't let Chaco Maidana have time on the ball or free kicks because he's pretty good. Um, assuming that they give him a start, which sometimes they don't do, because why start like your only skillful player? Um, Fernando um, Aristeguieta, the the forward who looks like groundskeeper Willie, but is from Venezuela. Um, he's been he or he was doing well, but when the team the whole team just started to collapse in every way possible, I think he's he is not having any fun because who would? Um, so he's he's lost some of his scoring touch in recent weeks. It's just nothing's falling for them right now. And uh, a team like that, you just want to jump all over them and make them miserable, for, for make them more miserable than they already are. Um, you don't want to let them have a close game where they feel like they can start to build a little bit. Um, so basically, I would I would advise United to just be very aggressive in that game and just. Uh, you know, exert the fact that one team is good and, and well-run and the other team is bad and poorly run and, and make them feel that because their fans are going to see this against a local rival and they're going to get more upset and start booing as Philadelphia sports fans are already primed to do. 
um, they're going to boo even more. And uh, at that point, you should be able to just sort of knock them down. I this weekend they lost three one, and when I saw the score, I had or I predicted three one. They lost three nothing, and which is what I, I predicted. Saw, right, and when <laughs> I saw the score, I was like, why did I give them the goal? Like, what was I thinking? <laughs> Like, I know they've scored double-digit goals, so their offense isn't terrible. I was like, why did I think they were going to go on in this game and score any goals at all? Um, so that's, that's where the Union are right now, is, is a team that you think is going to lose in soccer, a sport that does not have many goals. You think three a three-goal loss is, like, entry-level loss for them. That's, like, the, the norm. Um, that's where you default. If they don't turn things around soon, they could get into, like, a, a DC United 2013 tailspin where they cannot possibly fixed anything. Um, so if they if they play their USL affiliate in the Open Cup and go to penalties but survive, uh, start looking for them to win the Open Cup. But also be just horrendous all other, at all other times. I have nothing to add to that. Yeah, it's that bad. I'm not I'm not it's, saying that as hyperbole. They are in that kind of mess right now. Ben, anything else? Just that Hopefully they play the Chicago Fire and there'll be 78 minutes of stoppage time in their Open Cup match. It'll actually go the other way. The the fire. Let me call it right at 90. It'll be yes, called 940. No yeah. It'll be it'll be called 20 seconds before full time. Um, they'll bring in the referee that refereed the um the Champions League game at RFK who just picked the the ball up and ran off the field <laughs> uh, all of a sudden. Um, it'll be that guy and he'll be like, I don't want to be here anymore. This is over. Why am I still in Chester? Bye. <laughs> Peace out. Um, thank you all for, for listening this week. Uh, find us at blackandredunited.com. Find us on Twitter, at filibusterdcu for the podcast, at blackandredu for the website. Send us your email, be it hate mail, love mail, or love letters, advertising inquiries, whatever. Email, send to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, send us your fanfic, Ben. Yes. You you can write your fanfic and email it to the podcast under a pseudonym if you want. But, but please, no slash fic. No. <laughs> no. Send that to somebody else. We don't want it. We will uh, with the proper authorities. Find us on iTunes. Find us on Stitcher. Uh, both sites you can give us ratings and reviews. They help us get the word out. Uh, we are also on SoundCloud. Um, but mostly please just tell your friends about us when you're at the tailgate or on the bus up to Philly because there's going to be a good contingent and come making to that road trip. And and finally, come to our meetup May 30th before the next game against the Philadelphia Union at RFK. We're going to have a tailgate tent out in Lot 8. Um, so, so if you're listening to this, you're invited. Um, bring your friends. It's a potluck style, so bring bring your beer, bring your sodas, bring your food, whatever, uh, and, and just come hang out with some other people who like to make friends on the internet. Uh, that's it for this week. We will talk to you real soon. For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam. Say goodbye, Jason. Goodbye, Jason. Goodbye, Jason.